Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist podcast. Uh, just a brief bit of business before we start today's show. If you could take a second right now and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, that means the world to us. It's uh, the best way we can fight back against the algorithmic overlords, stripper vampires as they were. Uh, that's the best way you can help us out for free. It just takes a moment of your time. Five stars, a couple sentences while you like spending time with the show. We appreciate it so much for those of you who've been doing that. Thank you very much. Make sure to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Film Alchemist is the channel name. You can see video versions of most of our podcasts there, as well as a lot of new fun stuff we're working on. So again, that's Film Alchemist on YouTube. You can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com or find us on all the social media sites that you're on. We're there too. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, this way we can give you the show that you want and so desperately deserve. All you got to do, reach out to us. Let us know the movies you'd like to hear covered. Be they new, old. If you have a theme for a month, double features, guest hosts, whatever you want, we do our best to deliver that. So I take, I, I keep a big list of all these. So I do see and hear everything you guys ask of us. Uh, thank you for all your, your help building this show. All right, that's enough business. Today, we were fortunate enough, or I was, Alex is not in this episode, I was fortunate enough to be joined uh, by special guest host Enola Lugosi. Enola has her own podcast, Slay Away, a horror podcast. Uh, make sure you find that wherever you find this show. Subscribe, leave her ratings and reviews, all of that great stuff. Um, I've been following Enola for a while now. I love her podcast. Uh, I love her work. So I reached out and asked if she would be willing to come talk with us. We were grateful that she was able to make the time. And we talked about one of my absolute favorite movies from my teenage years, From Dusk Till Dawn. Not only does this movie hold up exceptionally well, but I found there was actually a lot more going on in this movie than my young adult brain had remembered. So uh, it was a great conversation. Enola's very insightful, uh, very interesting to talk to. I had a great time, and I cannot thank her enough again for making the time to sit down with me and discuss from dusk till dawn. So without further ado, make sure you go subscribe to Slay Away Radio. Uh, enjoy our conversation with Enola Lugosi about from dusk till dawn. Right, guys we are fortunate enough tonight to be joined by uh, our new friend enola lugosi uh here from the slay away radio podcast you guys should go subscribe to that right now uh you'll thank us later uh enola was kind enough to make some time for us tonight to talk about a movie that i absolutely love from dusk till dawn uh so first off enola thank you for making time and uh would you like to introduce yourself what you uh where they can find your work and why you chose from dusk till dawn tonight uh, yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so I'm Anola Lagosi, like you said, I host the Slayaway podcast. Um, gosh, talking about myself, ooh, putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> basically, I'm just like a big nerd who loves horror, and um, let's I lean into that and just want to talk about it all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm a horror reviewer. And uh, that's part of what I do on uh, the Slayaway podcast. And then um, 
I also do some other things within the game industry uh, by day. And uh, the reason I chose From Dust Till Dawn, one, it's just a fantastic film that I think uh, it's kind of, it's definitely a cult, it's hit cult classic status by this point in time. And um, I'm a huge vampire fan uh, myself. Right. And it's one of the better <laughs> vampire films um, out there. It's especially like if, if, if it's one that um, you haven't seen, it's sort of like, I would call it like a sleeper hit sort of. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think uh, there's probably definitely people who haven't uh, seen it, heard of it, etc. Especially if you're like not a Tarantino fan, etc. Mm -hmm. Different things like that. So, yeah, I remember seeing this one for the first time. I, I didn't even know if it came in theaters or I was just a little young, but this was one of those uh, your group of friends would get together. Right. And like, you've got to see this shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and this would be like one of those movies that, you know, they would be desperate to show you all the time. It is, it's such a funny movie. I, I hadn't seen it probably since college. I was telling you before the show, we used to watch this one religiously when we, I feel like we were like 13 or 14. This oh yeah. Was just it's like I, every weekend. <laughs> I think I saw this when I was like, um, I want to say 12 because 1996, right. I was like 11. <laughs> so I probably didn't see it till it came out on VHS. Yes. That was my <laughs> same experience. We were watching it in a garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I we probably rented it from like the Blockbuster. It was one of those Friday night kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, oh man, Blockbuster. But yeah, it, that, that's definitely Sorry, like what, how the story went. And um, it's one of those things that like, we didn't um, have anything censored when it came to what we rented, honestly. So um, we watched, I think we wore it out and probably we eventually <laughs> got our own copy on VHS at some right. point. Uh, my brother and I so um, yeah it was it's just great like I just remember watching it a ton and it's one of those things when it would come on television you would stop and like you would watch it right right so. <laughs> honestly I I can't even imagine what that must have looked like on television back then with all the editing <laughs> watching it tonight I'm not even sure it's like something that probably would have been on the maybe the sci-fi channel right like super late at night but um i think i'm positive we had the vhs like i don't yes. think we ever had to watch it on tv so <laughs> well it's kind of one of those things that'll be lost to the sands of time but trying to tell my kids like yeah there was a time when all of my favorite movies i would see on afternoon television with 30 minutes cut out you know what I mean? like, yeah. that's just not going to exist in the future i think but uh yeah this is this was a wild one too because when you rent it right and your or your friends are you know this is the movie they're telling you you're watching right vampire strippers and uh like a DD &D crew of vampire hunters you're like yes that sounds great and there is just a really gnarly thriller for about 35 minutes at the start of it. <laughs> and so it, yeah. it's this tale of two movies which i mean maybe other than psycho this is one of the biggest just in the middle like yep where you're going to do a completely new movie now uh, i just remember being fascinated by all of the twists and turns of this when it came out well, I think like at the beginning half of the film, we get this whole like, okay, so they're a bunch of, they're two uh, people, Robin Banks, you get a little bit of their backstory. Um, you find out that Richie's got some problems uh, yes. <laughs> other than being a bank robber. And it's like really disturbing. And essentially like uh, the, there's the thing that happens with the bank teller in, in, <laughs> in uh, yes. the hotel room. And then Seth like, reams him chews him out he's very disgusted by this other side of Richie that he just like can't understand and um we don't we get all this backstory and then that keeps playing out with the 
with uh, Juliet Lewis's character in mm-hmm. the RV, but then it nothing comes to fruition with it because the movie turns into another movie. <laughs> so, well, and it's like okay, because you you're kind of thinking yeah. that this is like a. <laughs> Like you said, like this is a thriller. This is like a true crime thriller type of thing mm-hmm. happening. <laughs> we don't know what's gonna happen at this bar, right? Yeah. Um, I think we assume they're just gonna like um that this thing in this bar is gonna be one quick scene. It's not gonna be the rest of the film, right? Yeah. It's funny now watching it because the the titty twister, as it were, is so iconic in my life now. <laughs> and it's yeah. such like a great set piece. You're like, of course they're not leaving this place once they pull in. But I always try to think back to that first time I saw it, like, did I have any fucking idea what was about to hit? And I can't imagine that I, I saw a lot of this coming. Right? It's, uh, it's just, it's it, insane. It's interesting <laughs> because, um, and I don't know how far ahead you want to jump into the film as far as talking about it, but just go wherever. free flow with the titty twister <laughs> in general. Um, what I think is really cool, like, and I'm just going to jump to the end of the film. When you look at the, um, it's, it's a Mayan temple. Yes. Like this is, um, we're going really deep beyond (laughs) just like vampires. We're talking about like ancient, uh, like Mayans and like this whole whole temple of vampires. And like, there's probably way more than we saw, Mm -hmm. um, at the time. And then, uh, so the temple and, uh, the, bar itself apparently was like modeled after this compound that was overlorded by colonel kurtz uh, or marlon brando in apocalypse now uh, the no 1979 shit. film so that's the <laughs> that's that's what they modeled it after and i'm just like wow. okay cool and i definitely i could see that it definitely had that feel to it both Absolutely. from when they pulled up to it because for me not really apocalypse now but when when you first see the bar for me it definitely gives me this like bad bad max vibe yes um, yeah that mixed with like a schumacher batman movie You're yeah like, something really weird is happening <laughs> and then at the thing. end you see the mayan temple thing and i'm like okay now yeah. i'm getting more of that like apocalypse now type thing so yeah um, also yeah. i think colonel kurtz would totally dig hanging out in this bar <laughs> definitely <laughs> this feels like a vibe <laughs> but no it's i mean i think what you just hit on is kind of the thing i love most about this film which is it's always a movie that's operating on two levels at the same time, right? So this is a vampire bar that kind of plays like this grindhouse lost movie, but it's also a temple. There's a whole backstory. Even the first scene, right? is a really fascinating scene because I I think I had forgotten a lot of the opening of this film, right? So they just pull into uh, Jerry's liquor, I think it's called. And it's just this really slow, kind of Texas conversation, right? It's really interesting dialogue. You're like, this is a weird way to start this film. I thought I remembered a little more hellfire at the start, right? Guns a-blazing and this and that. Well, that part comes because when the lawman goes to the restroom, right? After he talks about it's just been a long, hot bitch of a day. Then you see that the Gecko brothers are already in there with hostages and have just been watching this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's an awesome opening of the movie that says, everything you see just know there is something more horrible off screen that you haven't found out yet. And I, I mean, the movie just really does a great job of always having another surprise in store for us. Well, and at first I thought that, uh, not Seth, but Richie was just like a compulsive mm. liar. Cause he's like, he mouthed help us to that yes. cop. And I'm like, no, we didn't. <laughs> like, right. But That's then you I find like, out that it? he actually hallucinates. <laughs> um, so it's like, t- he, he actually did see that. 
Yeah. Um, it, it's not something that he imagined. Well, he did imagine it, but he's hallucinating these things. So, um, God, it's really interesting. It's the Richie character is extremely interesting in his mm-hmm. whole psychology, but um, we don't ever get to go super deep into it. So, well, it's I had forgotten how absolutely terrifying Tarantino was, and I think I kind of remembered him doing more of his. Dude. Yeah, I remembered more of like the Reservoir Dogs Tarantino. Like, I don't think, you know, that whole thing. But that's it. This is a much more subdued and really scary performance, right? Because I I was watching it today and there is a real of Mice and Men thing going on with the brothers, right? Where he plays him almost naive child, right? So he's, Mm -hmm. he's very like, oh, you know, I was just trying to do the right thing, this and that. And when he leaves, right? And uh, he's alone with that bank teller, right? When he pats the bed. I just remember being like, oh my God, that is horrifying. Way more scary than all the other stuff in the movie that I remember. That little pat on the bed and the smile sent chills up my spine, right? And then as we find out, that leads to one of the coolest uh, parts of the opening, right? As I think you were saying, when Seth sees what Richie's done and he's just staring, yeah, and he's like, I'm flashes. a bank robber. I'm not a, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't assault mm-hmm. women and and yeah. uh, murder people. I don't have to, oh. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, which is this really is interesting not how because then you're it, looking, right? you find out that there's a moral code for Seth mm-hmm. um, that Richie doesn't have uh, yes. because you know there's something else going on with him, and um, yeah. that totally plays into the rest of the film and and mm-hmm. it's like the actions that Seth takes. So, yeah, it's it's just. It's such a great, it's one of those before Clooney became like one of the world's biggest star. You're like, of course this guy was going to make it because just him in that scene, the acting is so brilliant. But just him watching and then the little flashes of it and you just see, because it's so funny because not only are they brothers, but his brother's the one that just busted him out, right? And they talk about they ran Mm -hmm. over a sixth grade teacher. There's a really funny cutaway to the news where they have like the dead body scoreboard. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's a brutal slam. And then you just watch him trying to separate himself out, right? I'm a bad guy who's threatened to kill three or four people we've already seen, right? Like with his, uh, you know, it's a yes or no question speeches. But when he actually sees a dead body, you see that difference, right? Like now he is, because this isn't just like killing someone in their way. This was something else. And yeah, that that honor among thieves subplot became really fun in the movie. Yeah, even like that he's scene not a sadistic guy. Yes, exactly, right? He thinks of himself as some kind of Robin Hood outside of the law. His brother's mm-hmm. actually like a broken deviant, right? Right. Yeah, he owes him for like breaking him out of jail. I right? know, right? So what? where's the line, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you're a creep, but you broke me out and you're my brother, but he doesn't feel like he's enjoying the ride with him, you know? <laughs> so. Well, I feel he's definitely, there's this, you can kind of feel Seth that Seth has this responsibility on his shoulders. He feels yeah. very saddled by Richie in, in a way it's yes. like he's prepared to have to take care of him forever. But at the same time, I think that when um, he's definitely sad when Richie dies, but I think mm-hmm. there's also a sense of relief there for him. That's really funny. Uh, you said that because I wondered that too. I, I, you, I wondered as time passes after he turns and then like you know he di- he dies initially there's that initial wave of grief then he has to kill him as a vampire and there's like the whole debacle with that and then it's like but i think i think you can almost see it in in Clooney's facial expressions or it, it's very subtle but like i think you can see the sense of relief from that character 
that right. he's not going to have to deal with this anymore if he can survive the night. Yeah, because I couldn't tell if it was relief or just this fatalistic thing, right? Because one of the best moments is when Jacob kind of finally lays the law down and he's like, are you such a loser Yeah, that you can't tell when you've won? Because there's this weird break in the film when they arrive at the titty twister and it exit that RV, right? I think you were right on when you said it's like entering a different world and movie. And his demeanor, right? Seth's demeanor, Clooney's demeanor changes so dramatically where he's no longer this kind of cool pro. He has this really chaos energy, right? He walks up to, he goes, I think the credits call him guy. And I'm like, why are you even uh, picking a fight with this uh, guy whose name is Pussy? Yeah, um, pussy chat yeah <laughs> like why are you his name is like pussy valor or something like that yeah um so i'm like <laughs> why are you picking a fight with pussy valor um like just go into the bar right yeah. um like and then obviously richie makes it worse by kicking a dude when he's down so yeah, it just it does it didn't make sense, right? This change in him. It, it was like this weird weird macho move. It just didn't yeah. seem like a him thing to do. Yeah, because I mean, I kind of it's he was like out of sight, Clooney, right? Where it's like, I'm a criminal, but I'm like a cool, charming criminal. Because even in that opening, which is way scarier than I thought. This is the first time I've watched it since I had my own family. Maybe that was it. Where I was like, Jesus Christ, could you imagine? <laughs> right? And uh, so maybe that was it. But it's it is this abrupt turn, right? Because that's also the funny one where the opening of the movie plays like a Tarantino movie. And that second act on feels very much like a Robert Rodriguez movie. And so I was like, maybe something in that is where it changed, where he has to be this character. But when when Jacob lays the law down about, and he's like, you know, I just want you to do a shot with me. You see him slide back into the Clooney from the first act. And when his brother dies and he has to kill him, right? I do think there's sadness. But I wonder if a part of him also is like, I didn't fucking win, right? This is all for nothing, right? Like maybe Jacob was full <laughs> of shit. <laughs> it's like, well, now there's vampires. Who would have thought? Yeah, not when I'm going to El Rey alone. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was a really an interesting moment as well. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. Because it's weird too, because they almost play Jacob's family as also being sympathetic. There, there is this weird bond between them that's happening very fast throughout the end of the movie. Uh, yeah, that definitely exists. Uh, it's there. I think it's just kind of like, well, we need to stick together if we're going to survive. So, right. Um, Right. You know, and but I do think there's probably the biggest bond between obviously by the end, Juliet Lewis's character and Seth. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. What did you make? She of wants that? to stay with him. <laughs> She's like, do you need company? Um, but I yeah. think that's more out of like, I'm alone in the world now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything better to do. But then on his end, you know, like he says, I'm an asshole, but I'm not a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, I was like, you did leave her there. She doesn't have a class two license. Like, what? She yeah, like do? you can't come with me. I'm not gonna like corrupt you and bring you down to live in El Rey or whatever. And yeah, right. Be a criminal. Like, <laughs> now you're alone. You got your whole life ahead of you. Go do something good. Go home. Well, like you said, she's also still at that temple. So who knows how far she makes it? But I thought if the movie, well, she had does a... get in the RV and drive away at the end. I think That's we do true. see an aerial shot, but That's true. Uh, um, everybody, <laughs> everybody drives away at the end. But it's just, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to me that that, mm. that occurs. But uh, I don't know how sheltered that family is either, because obviously they all grew up um, in a 
is is secular the right word family or uh, i think secular is non-religious right the dad is a working I was minister like, i don't yeah. know how religion works or what the words are um but uh i mean their dad was a pastor so they in this um break from being a pastor was only six mm. months previous uh so i think they're fairly sheltered yeah no i mean the kids yeah it's it's there's some weird stuff with the family too because we never all the way find out uh, if the kids are fully his, what the deal is, right? It feels almost like an adoptive family scenario. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the bar and uh, Juliette Lewis and them, they they actually start pounding shots. You can see there's this weird, I don't know why Jacob doesn't draw the line harder. Maybe at this point he's like, well, we've already committed, you know, we're already accessories yeah. to whatever. Well, and Seth is like, I'm not going to drink alone. So it's just yeah. like, whatever. That's true. Maybe he's just like, yeah, I'd rather them do shots than be shot. Uh, but it's there is some weird kind of family stuff happening there. But I think, yeah, it, if I had one thing about the movie, I ponder is I feel like Jacob is the all star of the movie. Right. I love Jacob in this movie so much. And I wonder if the movie had been lensed a little more through him and the geckos were kind of the drop in characters instead of vice versa. What that movie would have looked like. Right. Like this man really grappling with his faith and actually making it out right. And him and his daughter having a reckoning at the end instead of the super creepy criminal that we kind of like because he's charming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That ending <laughs> sat really weird with me. I, I was not a huge fan of that. It felt like there was more to it, which I think they tried to explore in the series, which I haven't watched. Um, I watched like half of the first episode. But, yeah. Um. I at the time I wasn't able to get invested, so um, right. I didn't have time. I didn't have time to try and sink my teeth into that. It's such a weird movie because when they drop in in the second second half of the film, right? So one of the other things the movie does exceptionally well, right? Is I I'm obsessed with movies where we get the gathering the team montage, and so I love walking around the bar and meeting all the characters we're going to be fighting uh, vampires with. Uh, especially Tom Savini is is another one of the kind of secret stealth all stars of the movie, right? With his uh his uh dick pistol and the whip, it's just like a weird menagerie of characters that become exceptionally fun to play with. What what about this part of the movie really leapt out of uh, of the screen at you? Oh, uh, when we're sort of meeting the characters around the bar, yeah. Uh, they're all it's it's funny because I pay attention to Savini's character a lot just because of the pistol part. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this whole segment is really fun. And then, yeah, I remember for me and my friends, it was one of those moments where I feel like there was a before and after we saw Salma Hayek's entrance in this film. It was like, you know how when they say like, oh, we know this is when the dinosaurs were extinct because here's a layer of dust around the earth. That's how it felt. Because I remember I had a friend once describe it as he's like, that's the closest I've ever seen a human being look like Jessica Rabbit. (laughs) I was like, that's a really weird an exact way to put that but you know because i remember being 13 and just going around this bar seeing all these guys she comes out dancing with a snake and i was just like oh my god being an adult is gonna be amazing <laughs> and i remember the first time i went to a bar i was like oh what a letdown <laughs> right because i just thought every bar was gonna be as cool as the titty twister when i was oh, like yeah. a 13 year old kid <laughs> With all the creepy skulls and stuff uh, carved on the insides of the walls and people dancing in crevices. Uh, It just looks rowdy. It just, I assume this is what it was like. Yeah, like this is where grownups go when they don't have to work to blow off steam. 
And yeah, the first time you go to bars, just eh. I found out the name of uh, Selma Hayek's character, um, uh, Santanico Pandemonium, was named after a Mexican horror film. No shit. Um, so that's, I guess the name in the alternate <laughs> title is like La, my God, I'm not going to pronounce this right. Uh, sex or Sista? Uh, the sexorcista <laughs> yeah sexorcista <laughs> and um santanico like because a lot of people know she wasn't gonna even she was gonna pass on the role because she has a fear of snakes like a paralyzing fear of snakes but she got through it so she really it's so funny because my wife said the same thing she's horrified of snakes she's like you couldn't pay me enough to do that and i was like i don't know sama hayek seems to really like it <laughs> i had no idea she was afraid of snakes <laughs> yeah that was another one of those weird scenes yeah, because I was like, wow, Tarantino really wrote his foot fetish thing right on Front Street in this movie. <laughs> There's like three or four times where I was like, holy shit. Because, yeah, that's the one where he drinks the shot off of her toes. Right. Yeah. There's another really creepy scene. it down scene. and uh, like into his mouth or whatever. Yeah. And then him uh, checking out Julia Lewis's feet. I was like, damn, dude. You got to keep this more. <laughs> and I, I didn't like I noticed those things when I watched on Friday, but I didn't really put the foot fetish thing together. So, yeah, it's one of those weird <laughs> jokes that just I keep reading about on the Internet. And I saw in this movie, I was like, oh, shit, I bet this is where that came from. <laughs> but yeah, it was wild. Oh, man. Yeah, because I thought that was another one. I was like, did she single Richie out for a specific reason? Right. Because that felt really on no, on well, the she nose. Definitely to clocked me him um yeah like immediately oh yeah sure what do you think do you think she sensed sensed other evil in him which do you think she wanted to make him one of her pets oh definitely definitely yeah i think so <laughs> yeah i wonder it sounds I like she maybe talks about he's so making, sadistic making people her like slaves and stuff um Dude, yeah human slaves i'm like yeah i think she could tell that richie <laughs> would be a perfect lap dog for her yeah so which is what she says she wants to make Seth, but yeah. Yeah. See, Seth, not a good vampire minion, but I think Seth <laughs> would have loved it. He would have been waiting. <laughs> like, yeah, I could do that for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a scene too. I don't know what you thought of this scene, but um, when he transforms into the vampire, right? He's kind. He kind of looks like the Frankenstein from uh, Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment when uh, you know, he pulls Sex Machine back, and he's like, "That's my brother, and I don't care about your opinions." When he looks at Richie, he sees him as almost like a glamour shots version of him. Yeah. With like his like, normal face and beautiful purple eyes. Yeah. And he sees him almost like a Twilight vampire. What do you think was going on in that moment? Um, I actually think that. So what you'll notice throughout the film is that there is a, a all the vampires can glamour. Essentially, there's there's because there, I think there's history oh. there of vampires being able to glamour people into seeing them in a different form or they're like more human form gotcha. um it, it, you i you can even <laughs> see it obviously in um i just rewatched bram stoker's dracula uh, yes. the character of dracula does it several times throughout the film um where he's actually like this huge bat creature but he's glamoring you to see him as this like beautiful man right Nope. Um, so well, like, you know, it's like clear skin and I don't look a day over, you know, like 28 or whatever. So, um, <laughs> so I actually think that that's what it is similar to the, um, Selma Hayek character when she transforms into, um, the creature with the snake head. So, um, I think it's a glamor. Um, and so I think that he's projecting that into Seth's head. Oh, that's cool. Cause I had wondered, I was like, maybe Richie also, 
sees things too, right? Maybe this is some kind of like genetic issue. They're just seeing yeah. what they want differently. Because it was the moment, the last, this was the, uh, you know, tell me how you're going to tend the rabbits, right? And then makes him turn around and George takes out Lenny. It was that moment. I was, I was wondering if he was trying to come up with any way to convince himself to save him. The glamoring thing actually makes sense because that was a great moment when they turn around to the band and the band yeah. no longer looks normal. They have like actual corpse guitars. Yeah, exactly. Thing. So the like they were glamoring like, everyone. <laughs> that's what I felt just because the way everybody in the bar just turns, like it's a total glamor uh, tra or transformation type thing. So for sure. Um, <laughs> that's what I felt anyway about the bars. So. Yeah. Well, I, cause um, there, there are some weird vampire bits in this, right? Where there's a lot of different kinds of vampires we see. The oh, rules yeah. are a little and different. There's um interesting creatures and like for instance when they um decapitate uh sex machine Tom Savini's mm. character and then because they haven't actually stabbed him in the heart a new head grows back in its place and he turns into this like giant rat like character he looks right. like uh, Master Splinter all gooey <laughs> and stuff like and he's ready to so he's like a rat vampire or something like there's definitely a bunch of interesting versions of vampires but i think that that's really cool um yes i liked that they did that it it felt more like a monster flick to me mm -hmm. um because there was a lot of variety yeah it's it's funny because this movie actually to me plays more like a zombie film than a vampire film a lot of it um it has the classic well because it has the movie. virus aspect like it only yes. takes a bite you don't even have to be dead yeah and just the fact i was trying to think i was like man there's not a lot of vampire movies where you see hordes of vampires right uh -huh. like even something like near dark where it's a gang of vampires you know a handful mm -hmm. but this one i was like when at the end of the scene when jacob is under the bar that could be we could have been up to like 50 to 100 vampires at that point you know, yep. it's very rare that you see that many super powerful creatures like that. And it just gives it this cool. But yeah, because there's like the one that gets caught in the door by Clooney that looks a little more cat like kind of like a hairless cat. And then uh, when Fred Williamson's character changes right after uh, Sex Machine bites him, his mm -hmm. face looks so different than any other. It's just like his nose. He looks like a bat. He looks like yeah. a giant bat. He uh, looks like, yeah, he's melting into like just a bat his face. face. Yeah. Uh -huh. And Salma Hayek looks snake like. Right. So I love mm -hmm. the idea that whatever's inside of people, maybe this is what's, you know, leading. Oh, their yeah. As a, a manifestation of your inner like uh, animalistic, uh, beastly mm -hmm. type creature. That's interesting. Yeah, I could totally I see that. that with the sex machine character turning into a rat. <laughs> Right. Well, even Jacob at the end, which was heartbreaking, he looked a little more demonic in the face to me. Right. He did. Yeah. I think it's how he's, he's like, I won't be Jacob. I'll be a lap dog of Satan. And I was like, oh, my God. That's he what he looks like. Some yeah, of that. it's yeah. more of his 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 own fears and his nightmare. <laughs> I didn't really think about that before, but I can definitely see it now because he yeah, still looks pretty human, but fun... he definitely looks like a dude that's possessed. Absolutely. And it's just it's fun because once you start that up, right, because we have that first brawl that is just amazing the band's playing the corpse guitars you know they're just body slamming strippers around and dudes are getting thrown and their you know throats getting ripped out and you're like yeah this is the bedlam i thought i was getting in this movie <laughs> and once you do that scene i think a lot of movies would have fallen into the trap how can we outdo that scene and they just keep kind of doing versions of that right but the like you said sex machine becoming a rat why is that a thing now we have a minion of bats that can turn into other kinds of characters, right? And 
they they find a way to keep the game super fresh which just i mean this movie felt like it was like 40 minutes to me it was just flying through the runtime it's just fun it's fun that it's it's hard because that's i think that's one of the problems with a classic zombie movie or trapped in a building it's like you only have so many ways ah they're breaking through the window right like we got to react to that the same way and this one finds a way to kind of change it up right like even going into the back room oh we happen to have all these shipments yeah right, and it makes sense it's like it's all the stuff that came off of the trucks from all the you know they've been doing yeah. this for years kind of thing <laughs> um it may like it makes total sense continuity wise so yeah um uh, I, I like the way that it's done. It's funny that it's like, oh, and here's like a giant shipment of condoms. We're just going to fill these up. <laughs> water balloons. I don't know where the sink was back there to get right. water or if they found some water bottles or what the situation yeah. was. I thought that was so cool, man. Yeah, because they they really go all out, right? He's got the giant jackhammer with the steak. I will mm-hmm. say Jacob's bat with the shotgun is probably the most iconic. That was my favorite weapon. Number two, I guess, would be the holy water condoms. What was your favorite weapon in the movie? Ooh, that's, I, I mean, that's kind of tough. I think I, I do like the shotgun because he just put the cross, the crosses on yeah. the bullets and called it a day kind of oh, thing. But cool. I just thought that Juliet <laughs> Lewis running around with that uh, little crossbow was a bit of a badass. I'm like, man, she's a really good shot. Yeah. Did she just pick this up or she always been? Um, that's what I said. I was like, is it that <laughs> easy to shoot a cross? Because <laughs> I was like, she was she's unnatural. <laughs> um. Cause she's like shooting, she's like shooting it, reloading it really fast. Like she seems like she knows what she's doing. I'm like, okay. So well, even when yeah. she's trying to take the shot at her brother, I was like, that's probably not an easy shot. Right. Yeah. So I was like, she had to have some kind of like training, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like when they became like RV people, right. I think they mentioned like, we're contained. We don't need in that tragic scene where Jacob's like, I just need a bed for the night forsaking his like RV life, which would have spared them this whole journey. Right. I was like, maybe somewhere in there, there's like a, they're like survivalist on their own people now. And that's how she knows how to do all this. But even the son, he was running out. She just spent a lot of summers at camp. You know, I could see it. That's right. Church camps, just shooting on tree arrows all day. (laughs) Those are the activities that you do at any camp. (laughs) In case the demons come. (laughs) (laughs) That scene, um, I had forgotten all the way. Uh, that the son died and that actually brought me to tears today <laughs> oh i remember that but i couldn't remember if um i was trying to remember exactly because so when sex machine turns mm-hmm. um the son he's at the back of the group when yeah. the dude's telling a story so i couldn't remember if sex machine comes up behind the guy telling the story if he comes up behind the sun and right <laughs> bites him in the neck like when i was watching it though it, it turned out it wasn't him but it they set you up um it's a there's a red herring situation going on there with yeah. they're setting you up to think that it's gonna be the the kid so um misdirection well done um <laughs> uh so um yeah it, it, but then i remembered yes okay so what happens is that like it's the the dad at the end that like mm. i think takes first bite and then he gets pushed into the rest of the vampires at, at the end and um it's this whole tragic thing with like kill me kate kill me kate and i can't i'm not even sure Man. if he was actually saying that because audibly i think he would have been too far away for her to hear what the hell yeah. he was saying maybe that um, was him starting to use his glamour i think so wow that's cool i like that <laughs> yeah 
I never thought of that. That kind of changes a lot in the ending of that movie for me now. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what if what if Jacob hadn't even begun to change yet? And that was just his glamoring. Like he knew it was coming and before it was too late. That scene just absolutely slapped me upside the head today. I had forgotten how much I get attached to Jacob in this movie. Mm-hmm. And when he goes back, because it's kind of a, there's two or three parts I really like besides the weapon grabbing, right? And I like when he he lays out Seth, right? He punches him. And he's like, I'm not mocking you. He's like, are you a badass motherfucking servant of God, right? You can bless Oh, holy I was going to talk about that. I'm like, ah. and he's like, he's like, and then he's like, yeah. And he he won't say like, motherfucker. Yes. I'm a badass. Uh, mm. uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's such good character stuff, though. I love Harvey Keitel in this movie so much. Right. But that mixed with running in the back and him saying, you know, you have to kill me. Promise. And he's got the gun to his head. Well, then I was worried. I was like, because now he's like, OK, but if you don't swear it, we're not leaving this room. And I was like, you're wasting precious time. I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> you're going to turn right now. <laughs> but watching the thing that really got me, though, was watching Seth react to this moment. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten about that completely. I thought that was a really extra special touch. Right especially because he's kind of been on his own in this wild criminal story to bring it back to just this really small, like the love of a family thing. And he's just watching that having just lost his brother. I thought that was a really great moment. And it's interesting watching him and you can see he's like, now he's extremely invested in protecting this family. Yeah, for sure. It's like, okay, well we, we all get out or we die together kind of a situation. Yeah. I think that's what they were trying to say is that, Almost as Jacob had reignited his faith just enough, right? Because we see that the holy water had worked. It's that awesome melting the faces away and stuff. Yeah. So somehow he he was still a servant of the Lord, right? I think there is a weird, as he gets his faith back, he almost baptism by fires Seth by the end of the movie, right? And they're trying to tell us that maybe Seth is a little bit changed and altered. So maybe it would have been okay if she had gone with him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it would I think it would have made for I think it would have been more interesting to me. I kind of wish she had gone with him. It's weird because it felt like this movie really wanted a sequel and that would have been the good vehicle. That's kind of the the feeling that I get, too. Yeah, Um, I think they even made a sequel, but it's just completely disconnected from this story. Yeah, it is. I actually think there's two sequels. Yeah. Uh, I've never watched any of the other films. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I had a bunch of friends that are like, just watch from Dust Till Dawn again. Yeah. And then there's one there's something interesting about this film that um, you'll notice it's like super gory. There's lots of um, uh, like gooey guts and stuff. And it's Mm. all uh, green blood because uh, it's like volcanic eruptions of blood and things like that. (laughs) And it's green because uh, they needed to avoid the NC-17 rating. So um, is that why? why it's green instead of red? Because <laughs> I saw it in the that's first why the time, right? Blood is green. Um, uh, and I thought it was just and then give. I found out that that's also why um, the scenes like all the sword fight scenes from like Kill Bill are in black and white. You can't see the red blood. That is There's a lot of blood. <laughs> that is mind numbing on some levels. Like, are you shitting me? Because I yeah. thought it was just like when the, he's like, you know, Richie on the job and they start getting in the fight. When they stabbed the vampire and he puts the knife down, I thought that was the subtle clue like, hey, something is wrong. 
I never, that movie has so much blood in it. Where was yeah. the boundary between like, oh, okay, it looks like, you know, Double Dare, it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, it's Double fine Dare. if there's a little bit of gushing when you like bite the neck of a human, but then all of the vampire blood is green because it's like a lot. <laughs> I mean, it is, a, it is an enormous amount. But that was cool too, like, because you see Salma Hayek starts to like, Oh yeah, she when she's panting when the oh, when the blood's yeah. on the table, that's a really good part. That's because that's also the part of the film where it turns into a different movie too. Yeah. Um, See, that's what I thought that green thing was. Just like a little like context clue like something's coming. We warned you. Send it off. <laughs> um, which is really interesting. Uh and I I I really like it. I think it's pretty funny. Oh yeah. No, it's god, that is baffling. <laughs> I I've, I've never understood the ratings board stuff. Although I think that they did, they did the character dirty with how um, Seth kills her with the chandelier. It's like, oh, yeah, I felt like she deserved more. But I thought so. I mean, it was very anticlimactic. I thought they were doing like a Queen of the Dam setup. Oh, totally. It felt like she had run the place. Right. There was a weird moment though, as she's melting. She has a pretty like sly smile. So I didn't know if she was thankful to finally be done with it. Or if there was some kind of like, you're still well, not escaping. I, yeah. I feel like maybe there's always this, just that release of like, okay, finally, you know, how long have I been immortal for? Yeah, because this one walks <laughs> so. the line, right? You hear this argument a lot between my other horror movie loving friends, right? Which is, do you like the kind of rotten undead corpse like a Nosferatu? Or do you like sexy vampires, right? And we kind of bicker about that. It's like zombies running or not, right? Like it's one of those old horror movie <laughs> arguments. And I was like, this movie really walks between the lines as you're saying they can glamour and it looks like just this unbelievable you know kind of scene of madness and sex and anarchy but then they're also pretty fucking hideous once they transform so it really is the best of both worlds <laughs> yeah totally for sure and i uh i'm probably someone who will argue about uh running zombies and things like that i tend to i don't argue but i correct people a lot about uh whenever they say their favorite uh, zombie film is 28 days later yeah um, that's more of a viral rabies <laughs> I, thing I, yeah i was like well actually it's not a zombie <laughs> film um, so i was like pick a new one uh yeah. and here's why <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, i understand how you can be confused virus, yeah. by that blah 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 yes. Um, but then I just end up being one of those people. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's me. We all, I think horror movie fans all have like our little hills we die on. It's like, this is what I've stayed. Yeah, it's on. a hill it's I like, die on every time. But yeah. I'm, it's like, I was like, I know that it's it's a correct hill, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> so apparently there's also like a From Dusk Till Dawn video game that came out in 2001 that I had no idea about. Really? Um, I've never heard of this. What system would I. that have been on in two, Xbox um, Let's and see. PlayStation? So Cryo Interactive came out with it. And it looks like... Let's see. Oh, and the plot is Seth Gecko has been condemned to death for the murders that Richie committed. Ooh. It's an <laughs> That's inmate a at a, some, a some prison. <laughs> I was like, I guess he got caught. The end of the game set. Okay, so there are vampires and things like that. He ends up in New Orleans. So that's interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, it looks like it was probably on like PlayStation or something like that. Yeah. That's a weird. Definitely looks like a PlayStation type be... game. Actually, I feel like this would be a really fun game because when they were building their team, right? And like fighting with the whip and the, the penis gun and then the pencil to the heart gag, I really loved. It was giving me a lot of Left 4 Dead vibes. There was a video game me and my friends used to play where you kind of assemble a team and run through a zombie world. 
And I was like, yeah, man, I could see this being a fun video game. <laughs> oh, wow. It's actually, it just says it's for the Microsoft Windows platform. Oh, wow. Well, no so, wonder that didn't take. Where did this go? <laughs> I'm like, where? I like, how do you even play this game? Four <laughs> hackers know. love that it's like game. Like a third person shooter. <laughs> a third person um, shooter. It was Gears of War before Gears of War. I guess. I yeah. So, <laughs> it's they kind of have a vampire in Gears of War. Like Richie is, I think it's supposed to be like a like an after the film happens type of thing maybe or it's an alternate universe because it sounds i don't know oh wait uh yeah based on events that transpired directly after from dust till dawn yet there's a picture of like richie on the front cover of the game which doesn't make any sense <laughs> they're like tarantino well, still draws box office even in video yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know do um, you want to play the guy that did whatever happened to that bank teller in there buy this game <laughs> yeah basically yeah yikes no, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I can see it though, because this game it is again, it's such a strange mix of movies. And the second half is definitely video game madness for sure. But I really what I always come back to with this movie is they just do such an excellent job of getting us to invest in the characters. Cause that that family led by Harvey Keitel and Juliette Lewis is stunning, right? But I really, this is one of those movies too. It's, it should have been the, everyone knows George Clooney is going to be a star. Cause I do not know yeah. how he can be so charming with that character. Cause the first half of the movie, he is daring us to hate him, right? Like when Jacob's telling the story about how he lost his wife, and you're just like, I don't care. Fuck you. Do what I say. And I was like, God damn. But you still never all the way check out on Clooney. It's, it's a really amazing acting feat he achieves. <laughs> his delivery is great and i'm surprised um i always wondered like how the heck did they get george clooney for this but it turns out that tarantino uh directed an episode of er when clooney was on it and that's how oh, he shit. got <laughs> clooney i didn't know that to be in the film he signed him onto the film because of the episode of er that he directed that's so, amazing um and i was like okay because this was obviously uh tarantino's first screenplay yeah um and it was apparently based on a story by somebody else um like robert kurtzman, kurtzman or something yeah. yeah kurtzman um kurtzman yeah so yeah it is strange i do wonder what this would have looked like as a full tarantino movie because there's no way the titty well, twister like the tarantino, bar if it were the, the tarantino of today uh it would have been interesting like if he he can't i don't know if i it, it's i don't think it would be the same without rodriguez rodriguez yeah, it's it's funny because I, I wobble on Robert Rodriguez a lot, but I think this is the exact movie that is so perfectly tailor-made for what he does. Mm -hmm. I honestly, and I know there will be people who get mad at me of our listeners because like, <laughs> a lot of people just, they cannot hear you say that you think anyone does anything better than Tarantino. I really don't think Tarantino would have made this movie better than Rodriguez did. Yeah, and I feel bad because I'm actually like, um, I like several of tarantino's films but i'm not a huge tarantino fan yeah <laughs> um and uh but like i think several of his films are fantastic like absolutely yeah. like groundbreaking fantastic but i don't i don't uh uh what is the word i don't know some people are like oh my god this person is a genius a god oh, you yeah. know i'm like i'm just not one of those people yeah um, i mean when i was in <laughs> film school that was like one of the like clicks of kid where the tarantino kids 
they absolutely all their short films just wanted to be Tarantino. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know a lot of people that just ride or die. Anything he does is their favorite. And that's fine. I love the guy too, but it, I think because that's he's such a great writer and you see his voice coming through so clearly a lot in this movie. But I just, I think that sensibility inside the titty twister because even though it's this vampire siege movie right there is also a goofiness it knows exactly why this is fun right like even the scene when they walk up and cheech marin is doing his you know carnival barker you know step on up and yeah. get some pussy speech <laughs> at the end of it he literally leans down and looks into the camera you know fuck it and i was like oh he he knows exactly what we're all doing here right like yeah that is an absolute just breaking the illusion that we're in a movie and this is a you know serious story he just is like come on it's have fun, fun when something becomes self-aware yeah that, just break um, in I with think most people know that teach plays um three different characters in yeah. the film i thought that was such a funny touch i don't know why you did it but i loved it right yeah, i guess like, I was like just on a filmmaking like, level i don't range <laughs> we love Next, teach. criminal um, and then a uh, border agent and then guy who Carlos. wants your money yeah who yeah. wants to sell you something yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I there's a lot of really good because michael parks has an awesome scene in the opening as the sheriff and uh is that john hawks john hawks plays the guy at the counter and i was just yeah. like man everywhere you turn there's just awesome actors in this movie um and i don't know what I don't think it was a lot. I don't know what From Dust Till Dawn made at the box office, but Tarantino only got paid 1500 bucks to write the script. 1500 bucks? Yeah, it was his first wow. paid writing gig. That is criminal. That's absolutely <laughs> criminal. And well, I, I actually think like yeah. maybe if you're looking at it, um, you can see the line where it went from being a Tarantino film to a Rodriguez film. Um, when you talk about the two different films, like yeah. how it starts. And then, like, when it flips and becomes, like, a planet terror type situation, mm -hmm. like, and it's Rodriguez's turn to, like, we're at the titty twister. It's Rodriguez time. Oh, yeah. Um, as soon as they get out and Cheech Marin, because he kind of even does the line, like, hard drinkers, let's go drink hard. And you're like, all right, we've done this <laughs> motif. And he gets yeah. out and whatever the hell's going on with Cheech Marin, I was like, this is an absolute, <laughs> forget that last movie. Now you're here, <laughs> right? You're in this cheap CD movie now. I've, I, I love that. It's such a twist. And it's funny too, because I mean, you, you, you said an interesting thing earlier, which is it does feel like there's still a good amount of people who haven't seen this. And I love the thought that this will keep existing as a movie that I can tell people like, Hey man, you've got to check this out yeah. and voice this on people who don't know what they're in for. Cause I think it's very rare that movies just absolutely reset 50 minutes into the movie. Mm -hmm. So if you if you had to in closing, if you had to to make your absolute sell, right? Why should someone who has not seen From Dusk Till Dawn, how would you pitch them to come see this movie to make the time? <laughs> I guess I would say like, okay, do you like vampire films? Um well, it's got everything uh that a monster movie should have. It has everything that sort of a, a elements of an 80 slasher should have right yeah. like you've got i don't want to be like you've got boobs you've got <laughs> gore you've got um 
like really dynamic characters. Yep. You've got the gangs all here. You've got like, there's lots of like <laughs> some good tropes in there, but having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And then it starts off as like a thriller and there's like this twist, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot there and some cool things to unpack. And like, um, you feel one way about these characters and then you come away at the end feeling very differently. So yeah. Um, I think that it's a good time from start to finish and you don't really know what you're going to get, but you come out the end, like, holy shit. But then there's that cool twist of seeing the mind temple at the end too. And that's like, holy crap, man, there's like, there's more here, but we never get to really dive into it. So, yeah. I mean, that Mayan temple is like the iceberg thing, right? Like we see this much, but this is what's here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this movie (laughs) was grindhouse before grindhouse, right? It's this half of kind Mm -hmm. of an awesome sleazy Tarantino crime movie and then we just go have big insane monster movie fun and yeah it's just i think that's the other thing too that is different is i love horror movies and i would do not want to besmirch my beloved genre of horror movies but a lot of horror movies fail the basic test of they just don't have characters that are worth being concerned about so you're kind of checked out on the people you're riding through the movie with just waiting for them to enter the slaughterhouse right yeah, this is one of those great horror movies that I think lives on. Besides that, you said, right, the, you know, monsters and boobs and all that kind of stuff is because these characters are so fucking compelling and uh, all the actors are just absolutely crushing it. That that part of the I think this would have been a wildly successful movie if you took the vampires out and we just finished with them, you know, oh, criminals yeah, totally. at a bar. And I think that's yeah. the the way you can really judge how successful the setup of a horror film is. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. And apparently it spawned two movie sequels. <laughs> so it was two movie sequels. Now I kind of want to go watch um, them. Well, it's like, them. yeah, I just hate, they're pretty far removed. I, I, from what I understand, maybe they're pretty far removed mm. or they, it's like that from dusk till dawn, mysterious random subtitle. <laughs> Colon, something that has nothing to do with the movie. Hot vampires, <laughs> vampire hunters. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, but, the Lost Boys um, kind of <laughs> ran into that too. This must be like a cool vampire movie probably. And I'm like a huge, for me personally, as a horror fan, mm. like if you're a horror fan watching this film, you get Tom Savini, not just as, yeah. um, I think, I don't know if he did any of the special effects for the film, mm. but like as a special effects artist, if you're, if that's something yeah. you're into as a horror fan, like I'm a huge fan of, of that. Mm. So like, I was really excited to see him playing a role in the film. Uh, and that's just cause like, I'm nerd, I'm a nerd over those kinds of things. Yeah. So it's cool. And the guy whose beer he whips is baby Greg Nicotero. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of fun little facts in the, the film. And um, I actually also want to look into more about um the mexican horror film that selma hayek's character is named after yeah i Um, never knew that i was just like that's a really awesome stage name i had no idea that was another movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's really fun to go back and find these movies that because there's always a part of me when it's been this long since i've seen a movie you're like did i really just like that because i was a teenage boy and this movie is kind of a cheat code for the teenage boy mind and I watched it today. I was like, there's so much more going on in this film. Even I liked it as a teenager. Yeah. So I mean, it's just, we'll it's, so, it's so fun. And it's a lot of movies I feel like at that age is just, you want to show your friends something and have that, oh shit moment, right? And so that's how yeah, you would pick a lot great, of movies. Um, yeah. Is apparently the 25th and uh, anniversary of the film was actually this last January. 
Oh, That's really? <laughs> oh, so man. It just, I feel old now. I think so. I'm going to double check really quick, but it just happened. Right. <laughs> oh, God, that hurts my soul. I've, I, know, I don't I'm feel like, like an immortal vampire old. stripper. Yeah, I feel just straight up old. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, January 19th. <laughs> well, it just happened. Uh, well, at least uh, we got to talk to it on, a, on an important uh, seminal year for From Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else yeah. about this movie that we missed that you really wanted to talk about? Um, no, I think we hit all the fun facts and everything too. <laughs> and um, it's it's funny because you see these casts, uh, the cast of characters, um, you're going to see them a ton throughout Tarantino and yep. Rod, uh, Robert Rodriguez films, um, which is great. Like, I think they said that uh, uh, Danny Trejo's in like over 10 of rodriguez's oh, films yeah. and like cheech marin is in over like seven of them and um they're just in like a whole bunch and um i think they're both fantastic but uh, a lot of people um just think of them more as like these character actors but they're fan- they're really great so yeah. um i hope people that should not be a slight uh, being a character actor is an amazingly important no, okay the there's world. some amazing character yes. actors out there but they kind of go unnoticed because they you do. don't you don't get to know them as 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 the person you get to know them as these characters yeah, and then, for sure uh, like you enjoy it for two hours and you move on they become so. the guy in that thing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah no it's a fantastic film and it's one that i love going back to so um i try to go back to it every year or so and it's one of those things i like to watch during october because i'm a big vampire fan um this for me kind of is similar to if i picked up and watched vampires again um, yes now vampires so, is a bit rougher of a sledge than this one yeah uh, yeah yes. <laughs> this one's a lot more fun vampires did change a lot came out two years later <laughs> um but i think that uh and it's got more the western vibe mm. but there were some like tiny similarities just in how the setting in the field yeah. um before you get to the grindhousey part yeah i mean that's <laughs> so, that is this movie if you peeled out a lot of the fun and the charm of the characters and you just yeah. did a really mm-hmm. down and dirty, like bad guys fighting. But I just vampires. love how over the top it is once this oh, movie yeah. does take the turn. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's a good time. It's a good, it's a really good time. Yeah. So I agree. Well, thank you so much, Enola, for making time with us tonight. Do you want to tell everyone yeah, one more time where they can find your work? Uh, yeah. So again, I'm Enola Lugosi, um, just like Bella Lugosi, because obviously I love vampires <laughs> and horror films. Um, so you can find me pretty much everywhere on the internet uh, at Enola Lugosi. And um, for Slay Away, you can find us at Slay Away Radio pretty much everywhere as well. And um, come listen to the podcast. And if you ever want to be on my podcast, come talk to me because uh, we can you know review a horror movie absolutely any time yeah anytime i'm there (laughs) it was an absolute (laughs) pleasure thank you for all your insight uh it was awesome to talk to you and awesome to rewatch from dusk till dawn yeah thanks all right we'll see you guys next time bye